Give me some river, river me some valley, valley me some rain, live on in the valley. Welcome to the Ankylosing Spondylitis Podcast. My name is Jason Sacco and I'm your host. As a 35 plus year Spondy, I'm looking to use this show to bring the Spondy community closer. I'll give my lifelong battle with AS to you. That includes triumphs, tragedies, and lessons. So sit back, enjoy, and know you are not alone. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Ankylosing Spondylitis Podcast. How's everybody doing today? This has been a fantastic week here in Michigan where I'm at. The temperatures have pulled back a little bit. It's been actually cool, but not super wet. So the ankylosing spondylitis all feels pretty darn good. I know other people are starting to come into their summers as we head into our falls. So I hope everybody is doing well. And and for those of you that are on the west coast of the United States dealing with all the fires, I really hope that you are doing well. And for anybody around the world that's got fires or some natural issues, disasters going on, I hope everybody is just safe and, and able to just enjoy life as best you can. As we get going, I wanted to read, I got a couple of really neat emails and a review came in on the podcast. And this review was from England, from the United Kingdom. And it says, I've been enjoying this podcast for a few months now. It's been super informative and helpful to learn about how other people react to this disease and what their experiences are. Thanks for sharing. Well, thank you, Joa George in the United Kingdom. I appreciate hearing from you, and that's really fantastic. I appreciate the feedback. We're all a community here with ankylosing spondylitis, non-radiographic axial spondylar arthritis, you know, that whole axial spondylar arthritis umbrella. We're all in this together. We're all here to learn from each other and help from each other. And I really hope through this show, if somebody hears something and it helps them get through the day, through the hour, through the week, whatever, that they're better off for it. So I, I really enjoy getting this feedback from everybody that's listening. I also got an email from a young lady named Lydia. She wrote, my name is Lydia and I'm from Ireland. I am 39 and was diagnosed with AS just before last Christmas. I am so glad I listened to your podcast and it made me feel less alone with this life-changing condition. Thank you for the information and keep up the good work. Well, Lydia, thank you for reaching out. Thank you for sharing a little bit about you and your diagnosis. I hope this finds you doing fantastic. And again, we're all here to learn from one another. So please don't hesitate to reach out to myself, to reach out to anybody with questions or any concerns you're having regarding this. And we'll try to at least support you in the best way we can. And then I also got this email from a gentleman also in the UK, and he wrote, Hi, Jason. I just want to tell you how awesome your podcast is. I was diagnosed very recently, and he says about two months ago, with AS, and your podcast was quite helpful in understanding the basics of AS and what progression to expect in the future. He says, I am fortunate to be relatively mild case compared to many horror stories that I've heard, and I still have the option of taking biologics if my progression is not good. In that sense, I am really thinking about people like you and others that were diagnosed decades ago when NSAIDs were the only option. It's incredible to think that people went through so much pain with so little pharmaceutical support. He goes on to say, I guess it's even worse to think about people about 200 years ago who would have gone through this their life with AS with no uh, medical support and everyone thinking that they were simply lazy. It would be a, really amazing to look at the history of AS I did do an episode on ankylosing spondylitis history. I'll have that in the show notes so that you can go back and listen to it. And I sent it off to him as well in an email response. So I hope he enjoys it. Finishes up and says, thanks for doing the awesome job of creating the podcast. Well, 
you know what, Jurgis, you are so welcome. I'm glad you like it. I really appreciate the link to the book you sent me. So anyway, let's get on to today's show. So today's show is about axial spondylarthritis. For some of you that are new, you might hear that name and say, I've not heard that before. I've only heard ankylosing spondylitis. For others, you'll say, well, I keep going to my doctor and telling, telling him that I have ankylosing spondylitis and they keep telling me, no, you don't. I have all the conditions, I have all the symptoms, but they're not dealing with me. You know, I can't get this diagnosis of ankylosing spondylitis because they say I don't have any visible fusion or, you know, damage to any of the joints. Well, maybe we're all looking at this wrong. And there's been really a change in the last, oh, 20 years in the rheumatology field. One of the things is, is the identification of what is known as non-radiographic axial spondyloarthritis. You know, that term gets thrown around a lot now and is fairly acceptable in the, the diagnosis of what you might have. But really, that term was just developed and coined in 2009 by ACES, which is the Assessment of Spondyloarthritis International Society. Think about that. Non-radiographic axial spondyloarthritis. That term as a recognition was just done in 2009, just 11 years ago as of the recording of this. That's amazing. It's just a, a very short time period ago. So maybe we're looking at this backwards. Maybe there is no ankylosing spondylitis and there is no non-radiographic. Maybe there's just axial spondyloarthritis and the progression of it is from the non-radiographic axial spondyloarthritis to the ankylosing spondylitis. Maybe those two terms should be completely removed from the vocabulary and everybody just has, um, if you think about it linear, everybody has axial spondyloarthritis and you pick some point on there to say, this person is in this area, closer to the one area, and this person is over here, and this person is farther along in the diagnosis. And maybe it's just one plane that we move along in this disease called axial spondyloarthritis, and the term non-radiographic and ankylosing spondylitis should be thrown out. Maybe they're causing more confusion because we now have a system where once that term non-radiographic was coined, medications in the insurance lexicon of, of, say, the United States, other parts of the world might be different, but in the United States, now there's medicines that are approved for ankylosing spondylitis, but they're not approved for non-radiographic. So somebody comes along and has non-radiographic, the doctor wants them to get access to a certain medication, so they diagnose them with something different, like a rheumatoid arthritis, so they can open up different medication avenues. Maybe it should just be, you can be treated across the board under the umbrella of axial spondyloarthritis. Regarding actually spondyloarthritis as a whole, I found this write-up by a Dr. Atul Deodar. I butchered that. So anyway, I liked what he had to say. He, he goes on to say, I would take a step back and say that spondyloarthritis is a family of diseases in rheumatology. As you know, although for all of the rheumatic diseases that we see in daily clinical practice, we try to group them to families with similar clinical manifestations, similar genetic backgrounds, and so forth. Spondyloarthritis is a family of rheumatic diseases that have typical clinical features, a typical clinical phenotype. There is spinal involvement, 
There is peripheral involvement, synovitis, and enthesitis. The spinal arthritis family also has involvement of the skin in the form of psoriasis, eye involvement in the form of uveitis and iritis, and so forth. Genetically, these diseases have HLA-B27, which is the human leukocyte antigen B27, as a common genetic background. Under the family of spondyloarthritis, we can divide that family into axial versus peripheral spondyloarthritis. Peripheral spondyloarthritis would have psoriatic arthritis and arthritis with inflammatory bowel disease. Axial spondyloarthritis is divided into radiographic and non-radiographic axial spondyloarthritis. Radiographic spondyloarthritis is when we have definitive changes of sacroiliitis on the plain x-ray of the sacroiliac joints, and non-radiographic is if the changes of the sacroiliitis are not that definitive. The ankylosing spondylitis that all of us have known for a very long time is radiographic axial spondyloarthritis, where the changes of sacroiliitis are definitive on the plain x-ray of the sacroiliac joint. Non-radiographic axial spondyloarthritis is still part of the axial spondyloarthritis, but the changes of the sacroiliitis on plain x-ray are not obvious or perhaps totally absent. That's the only difference between radiographic and non-radiographic is the degree of sacroiliac joint involvement on plain x-ray. Dr. Diodar goes on to say, as you rightly, he's replying to a question from a Dr. Sergio Schwartzman, who says, Dr. Schwartzman says, do you think that this is indeed an important differentiation with regard to the natural history of the disease or with therapies? And Dr. Diodar says, that's a very important question. As you rightly said initially, the 2009 classification criteria by the ACES group coined these terms, and that was mainly done for clinical trials to get the homogeneous patients into a trial. In day-to-day practice, these terms should not matter because, as we all discuss later, the clinical presentation, the burden of the disease, the treatments, and the outcomes can be quite similar. This is just fantastic to hear the doctors talk about this. He goes on to say, of course, if you take the extreme ankylosing spondylitis where someone has bamboo spine, that would have a very different outcome. One can say that these are the two extremes of the same spectrum of the disease. So in day-to-day practice, it shouldn't matter whether it is non-radiographic or radiographic. As long as you're able to diagnose axial spondyloarthritis and treat those patients, that's the most important part of understanding the spectrum. And that's what I wanted to get at today, is that the word I was trying to get to earlier in the show was spectrum. We're all on the same spectrum of the disease and going into a doctor, and this is where I think doctors need to be updated on their knowledge as well, is we're no longer saying you have ankylosing spondylitis or you have non-radiographic. Those really are terms that we kind of need to throw out in the day-to-day practice. You're either diagnosed with axial spondyloarthritis or you're not. On the axial spondyloarthritis spectrum, you could be very mild with very few symptoms, newly diagnosed. Uh, You could be in the middle where you're showing a lot of the symptoms, but you don't have any type of fusing issues with your spine. And then you could be on the far right side of it where you've got the bamboo spine. You've, You've progressed through a whole number of the diseases, but we're all the same disease. And I think that's going to be the key thing going forward and where we really need to figure out working with groups like the Spondylase Association of America and the partner groups they have in all the other countries, that there no longer is a term called ankylosing spondylitis or non-radiographic. Those are simply going to be items for research purposes. In the day-to-day practice, it's do I have axial spondyloarthritis or do I not have axial spondyloarthritis? To me, that was just an amazing article, and I have a link to it that'll be down in the show notes below. And it's a new article. It's from May of 
2020, and it says Understanding Non-Radiographic Axial Spondyloarthritis. So again, there'll be a link to it below. And with so many patients that will move from non-radiographic axial spondyloarthritis to ankylosing spondylitis, as it's currently the current terminology is, it's really important to understand the progression of non-radiographic axial spondyloarthritis. So if you're not familiar, this is an article I found from Creaky Joints, and I want to touch base on a couple things. We do know that it takes people on average seven years to be diagnosed with non-radiographic axial spondyloarthritis. They can be told they have all sorts of things from rheumatoid arthritis to fibromyalgia to just a a whole litany of diseases can be presented before they actually settle upon non-radiographic. That can be possibly attributed to the doctor's not really understanding of axial spondyloarthritis and how it breaks down, or it can be just attributed to your symptoms and how they present themselves. All of it is part of this whole package of being diagnosed. And that length of diagnosis is because, well, the disease causes, you know, the different symptoms to be telltale symptoms like back pain. There's just no visible damage on the x-rays, as I mentioned before. And that's where the term non-radiographic comes from. We know that this differs from the ankylosing spondylitis on the far end of the spectrum in that there is visible damage, as I mentioned previous. And so it's easier for the doctor to pinpoint what's going on. But just because non-radiographic can't be seen on x-rays, that doesn't mean your pain is diminished and you have some milder form of the disease. Quite the contrary, you have just the same type of symptoms and disease play out. You just don't have that fusion showing, but you get all the pain. So you're very well aware that the pain doesn't diminish just because there's not fusing. Overall, the the disease is similar, as I said. You're going to have the pain, the fatigue, the stiffness, and the impact that it can have on your life is basically the same as what a person with diagnosed ankylosing spondylitis is going to have. And again, Again, the real difference lies in whether the damage incurred by the inflammation shows on x-rays. It can also take up to 10 years for x-rays to show damage from such inflammation. So doctors can also use the MRIs to help make the non-radiographic axial spondyloarthritis diagnosis earlier. That early diagnosis is important because if it has all that time to fester and build up in you, that uncontrolled inflammation can affect, as you know, heart, eyes, lungs, everything. So what you don't want to do is have that uncontrolled inflammation running wild in your system. We do know that with non-radiographic, it's not just an early stage. The belief pattern used to be that non-radiographic was separate and not just an early stage of AS. There's debate as to whether non-radiographic and AS, you know, as I mentioned, are, are two separate diseases or are they one along that spectrum? And the prevailing theory is that uh, non-radiographic and AS are on the same disease spectrum, as I mentioned previously. But having non-radiographic axial spondyloarthritis is not always a precursor that evolves into AS. As I said, about half of the people will develop AS with it. So the hard part, what we don't know now is who's going to develop it? Why did somebody develop it and this other person did not? Those are the things that we're really going to have to have the doctor study for us as we go forward. Biologics and everything are great, but behind the scenes, they need to be determining how it progresses, why it progresses. So, you know, for instance, some patients may develop worsening inflammatory back pain or develop other symptoms like enthesitis, which is the inflammation of the sites where tendons and ligaments attach to the bone, uveitis, which is inflammation of the eye, or even inflammatory bowel disease. Some patients may go through periods of remission and relapse. Doctors will monitor for pain and functionality in the daily activities and the presence of whether the symptoms seem to be coming back. Symptoms usually occur because there's inflammation in the 
tendons or joints, says rheumatologist Paul Bird, an associate professor at St. George and Sutherland Clinical School in Sydney. That inflammation can lead to an apparent worsening of symptoms, but it may not lead to permanent symptoms that occur due to damage that can be seen on an x-rays or MRIs. So again, you may get flares, they may be painful, they may hurt, but they may not lead to, to damage. So you may not actually progress on that spectrum from non-radiographic to axial spondyloarthritis. You may not progress on that spectrum from non-radiographic to ankylosing spondylitis. One thing I found interesting is in the article, they talk about can treatment for non-radiographic prevent disease progression? And the short answer is... We don't know. More research is needed, as the article says. There's some preliminary research that suggests yes. So it would be very cool if using biologics or some treatment similar to that were able to help prevent the actual movement down the spectrum to ankylosing spondylitis, cut back on the inflammation you're having, reduce the pain, and hold the disease at bay. That would be fantastic. So far, much of the available research is focused on whether treatment prevents disease progression in people with AS. More data is needed on non-radiographic patients specifically. We need to better understand, A, how do non-radiographic patients respond to treatment in terms of symptom management and quality of life, and B, whether that treatment prevents non-radiographic from progressing or causing radiographic damage. So at this point, even though treatment for non-radiographic axial spondyloarthritis and ankylosing spondylitis should be similar, people with non-radiographic may respond differently, generally less predictable, to treatment with biologics, such as TNF inhibitors, than those with AS. Again, there's lots of research that's going to be coming out. It's really important that these companies get the support from people trying to use the medications, get the feedback they need, that you're keeping up with your doctors, letting them know what your symptoms are. That way they can continue to work on these medications and hopefully develop them and figure out what's going on inside of us from knowing what's going on inside to how do we stop it or control what's going on inside. This article will be linked in the show notes. It goes on to talk about a lot more of items like lifestyle changes, whether it be exercising regularly, eating right, quitting smoking seems to be a big thing. So again, you can read further in the article. It'll be in the show notes. The other thing I'll have a link to is a website I came across, and it is marked for U.S. healthcare professionals only. but it's facts about axial spondyloarthritis. And it's an amazing website. It talks about the disease spectrum, the disease burden, identifying it, gender differences, and resources for the doctors. I am going to suggest that, now this website, just so you know, this website is created by Novartis. So be aware of that. I would go so far as to suggest that everyone share this with their healthcare professional. And if they start going off about, well, you don't have AS, nope, look at this. I think I've got axial spondyloarthritis, but in the spectrum of it, I'm just on the far, say, left-hand side of it with non-radiographic. I haven't progressed to AS. So that's going to take a change in the doctor's thought processes. It's going to take a change in us as patients trying to figure out as, as we go through and trying to figure out what we have to make sure that we are absolutely using the correct terminology so that you don't confuse the doctor and then you don't get upset when the doctor misunderstands what you're really trying to get at. So I, I, I really hope hope everybody will take this to heart, look at this, and understand that I think we're working now under the umbrella of axial spondyloarthritis as the, the understanding of this disease progresses. Uh, one of the things they mentioned is that at least 50% of patients will eventually progress from non-radiographic over to ankylosing spondylitis. So again, I'm using the terms because that's what we understand right now. But as we progress and, and move forward with this disease, I hope that eventually those terminologies go away, except in the research field. 
world and just axial spondyloarthritis is what the diagnosis truly is. And it goes through to talk about, it, it's really interesting because it, it's really a good website to even show family because it talks about what the disease burden is. And it says axial spondyloarthritis puts distinct burdens on patients across the disease spectrum. So it doesn't matter if you aren't showing the fusion yet or if you are showing the fusion. A lot of these pains are similar and that's, you know, pain throughout your body. Fatigue could be functional impairment, could be time lost at work and could be activity impairment. You know, just something as simple as getting out of bed. That was very difficult for me. And I know it could be very difficult for many others who listen to this to say, oh yeah, I remember getting out of bed was a real challenge. Functional impairment. I walk with a cane now and have a drop foot. Many of you that listen have neuropathy, whether it be in hands, whether it be in your feet or both. And functionally, you cannot do the things that you used to do because of that neuropathy. Fatigue. Oh my goodness. Everybody talks about having the fatigue with this. How do I fight it? What do I do? And really, they're, besides making sure that your vitamin D levels, your iron levels, all that are, are right, there's not a ton you can do naturally for that fatigue, the pain. We all have that pain throughout the whole body. So this is something very easy that you can show to family, friends, if they ask about what you're dealing with. The other cool thing is it says non-radiographic axial spondyloarthritis versus ankylosing spondylitis. And it gives some similarities and gives some differences. This is really helpful for doctors. You know, similarities are clinical presentations, the level of pain, decrease in functional abilities, decrease in the HRQOL and patient global assessment of disease. The difference is AS has some radiographic damage, lower spine mobility in AS, more women with non-radiographic versus men, more men with AS versus women. So it goes through and, and talks about that and really, I think, is just a fantastic website. With that said, I hope everybody will go over to spondypodcast.com, sign up for the newsletter. There's many of you that have been doing that. The notifications come through on my email, and it's awesome to see the people signing up. I have a new newsletter that'll be coming out here soon. Also in the show notes, you will see this website, which is facts about axial spondyloarthritis, along with the one I, I read earlier. And I, again, thank you for listening. If you'd like to support the show, please head over to buymeacoffee.com where you can choose to make a one-time donation or a recurring donation. And Sandra Clutterbuck is now one of the, she joined up and is now one of the producers of the show. So thank you, Sandra. And as we go forward, I hope to hear more from you and you all have a wonderful, wonderful week. Thank you.